this is kind of an irrelevant point, Clay, but I think that's why we should mm. bring it up in the in the, the beginning here. I really like Martok's story about his dog that his wife <laughs> lost. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, I was kind of way uh, l- last episode um, th- uh, when uh, uh, Cisco was was telling Kai Wynn about what the prophet said to him. He he says like. Um, they told me that my path would be nothing but darkness and struggle. I was kind of expecting Kaiwin to turn towards the camera and go, that's called marriage. <laughs> <laughs> so this is pretty close. Martok filled that hole pretty well today. I think it's um, this will connect when, when we start the uh, discussion about the actual episode. But I like that scene because it's good Star Trek writing, in my opinion, because it's this like alien story that uses all this alien terminology and it views marriage as uh, only the Klingons would, which is a series of battles mm. that you have with yes. your spouse. And But it's also like a human relatable story that's kind of uh, charming and touching that Martok has. That it's, it's been a trait of Martok's too. He's always been um, infatuated with his wife in every episode that we've seen where he brings her up. So it, it's a neat little uh, tie-in to the main story here. The uh, the only the only downside for me is that um, Cisco equates uh uh sneakily getting rid of a pet with um forcing you into forcing your wife into some sort of religious ceremony because mm-hmm. when she says no he's like hmm the battle begins i always think like, dude i just why don't you <laughs> dial it down a bit you've been married for two days is don't not, make her re- do readings at your church is he not talking about because uh, he does it as he's like adding some spice to the stew is i know it, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like, fuck you, I'm adding more hot sauce to this. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be talking about Strange Bedfellows, but right now you're going to hear some music. Accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. All right, everybody. So, Strange Bedfellows is the name of the episode they're up to. It's the 19th episode of the seventh season, aired on April 21st, 1999, written by Ronald D. Moore, directed by René Auberjonois. In this episode, the Dominion and the Breen negotiate an alliance. Ezri and Worf are sentenced to death on Cardassia. So here we go, Clay. I'll say, um, mm. I'll start this off and I'll throw it to you. This is my, this is the best of the three episodes we've seen for the final chapter, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that really all that this one comes down to is that Ronald Moore is a better writer than Bradley Thompson and David Weddle, who wrote the previous one, because (laughs) this is virtually the same episode, except it's much Mm. better, and things actually happen in this one. And he's much better at writing dialogue. He's much better at sort of building the scenes off of underlying current like underlying narratives that are going on so like the scenes sort of link together in a more effective way than the previous episode but it's virtually identical to till death to us part in terms of structure and what's going on and it. it's just a much better version of that story yeah you know i don't really know what to make of all of this so far because it's kind of losing me um the you know where they end up at the end of this again is is fine. Like I, I like the stuff with Kai Wynn turning her back on on everything, and and uh, well, that was pretty much it for me. Uh, the the stuff with 
Worf and Esri is fine, but it's just I, it's the, the pace of it is killing me. Like mm-hmm. I, I feel like they could have done all of this in two episodes. Yeah, uh, the, all three of these episodes in like two episodes, and it's I don't know. I I I, I really like the stuff with Damar. I, I see what you're saying that it's it's kind of doing the stuff from the last episode but they're just you know doing it a little bit better and a little bit a little bit faster and Reso- resolving say, not, it too Worf and Ezra yeah. get resolved in this one yeah I, not faster but like they're making more character moves which is then moving the story forward even though what it's not actually moving forward that much compared to the last episode well here's here's um, here's what I'll say the difference is for Worf and Ezra specifically right in the last episode mm-hmm. they were on a ship where you did not know where they were going or why they were being taken there right mm-hmm. in this one they are prisoners of the dominion and yeah. because they're prisoners of the dominion it allows the Damar story to kick off in some ways so you, you there's like a meaning to the Worf and Ezri conflict. It's not just them only sitting in a room that you're unsure of what's going on talking to each other. Mm-hmm. They're layered on top of the story in a much better way than they were in the last episode. Sure. I still think they're spending a lot of time not really doing anything. That's true. Uh, they come to terms uh, until, here. I'll, I'll defend it by saying it's it's over. At the, like they've they've yeah they've fine. De- they've finished that uh, disagreement between them because it has been three episodes of bickering between them. Yeah, I think that's just what's 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 dragging me down is that it's it's taken them three episodes to do not much with them, uh, and three episodes of like giving them a lot of screen time, mm-hmm. and the the ultimate result is kind of like something they could have done shortly after they hooked up on the planet, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Instead of instead of taking all this time. Um, <clears throat> that being said, I I my favorite thing in the episode. Is the the uh, Damar and Wayun and Dominion stuff? I think that stuff was really good. That was the the one story that really felt like it was kind of tru- trucking forward. Um, the Kai Win stuff again is I don't know. I just don't the profit shit just doesn't hook me. Like I get it. it I I like where it ends up, but. Like the, I think the last last scene with her is really good. Um, I don't know. It's I actually, just, I actually uh, don't like the last scene all that much. But oh, really? Well, I mean, I like it. It's it's just it's <clears throat> very super it's, uh, very super villainy dialogue. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's they're definitely turning her. I I I think I probably like the scene with Kira a little bit better. Yes. Um, but even there, when that one started, I was like, oh boy, they're gonna talk about the will of the prophets for five minutes Mm -hmm. um but i i like where it ended up um i don't know this is a weird episode for me i it's got it's got good stuff in it but it's just the the pace is really dragging me down he's being repaired septimus three has fallen excuse me septimus three an entire cardassian order has been wiped out five hundred thousand men oh yes a great tragedy you promised reinforcement. I promised nothing of the kind. I said the situation would be dealt with, and it was. By leaving them to be slaughtered by the Klingons. If you will calm down and listen, I will explain. The sacrifice made by the 11th Order will not be in vain. They forced the Klingons to commit worthwhile, valuable troops and resources to capture a strategically worthless planet. I'm glad you agree. Well, I don't. You condemned half a million loyal Cardassians. If they were truly loyal Cardassians, then they died willingly for the Dominion. There could be no greater sacrifice. I'm 
many more sacrifices will my people be asked to make? I guess I guess the the better place to start would would be because I, I don't think there's much to say about the Worf and Ezri storyline at this point. It's basically <clears throat> over mm-hmm. now, which is a yeah. relief in and of itself. Um, well, spe- also, like I think the thing bumming me out about that is it took it, it, it's three episodes of of them doing nothing for all, the only reason is so they can have someone for Demar to defect with. And I don't know. I just feel like there might there's a cleaner way they could have done that. Yeah, that didn't take so much time. Uh, yeah, and in terms of structure, it is it is surprising that we haven't seen the other characters really. Like they, they yeah, not they, at all. They're not mixing. You would think that it, like okay, if you only have forty minutes, you're just going to do three episodes of story, and maybe you can't possibly touch on everybody in the show. But you would think that they would alternate character stories between mm-hmm. episodes like you sort of bounce back and forth between people you hadn't seen in this episode and people you've seen in the next one vice versa and whatever but they're really like odo and kira are basically non-entities in this one bashir and o'brien have that one scene where they talk about Ezra is missing um mm-hmm. yeah it's it just doesn't you'd think they'd be more effective with I'd be fine with the Wharf and Esri stuff if it wasn't so prominent. If it wasn't a third of the to the total runtime yeah, of three episodes, yeah. you basically got an entire episode of these two dealing with mm-hmm. each other. But they don't bounce each other. They don't bounce other characters in or out in a very effective way. And it's it's surprising to me because, as you're saying, if if these guys are just going to be bait for Demar to send back to the Federation, then it took a long time to get there to that point. Yeah, yeah, it, and it's. I don't know. I just feel like there's a better way they could have done it. Like, uh, you know, I don't. I don't know. It, it's it's just a, it, it is a long time to dedicate to something that is ultimately just servicing a different plot. So we can both talk about um, something that you said that you liked and something that I really like, which is the Demar storyline in this one. Mm-hmm. Which um, I think that they have done. I, I think that Damar's arc is actually maybe the best, cleanest, sensible arc out of all of the backup characters on this mm. show. Um, mm-hmm. The way he starts as... Uh, it's it's a combination of a great performance and great writing, where he starts as this kind of like second-in-command, no-name person that Ducat talks to, just to sort of mm-hmm. exposition things into existence. He then becomes Ducat's replacement, and he's just this like impotent stand-in for Ducat, where he is more symbolic of uh, to keep the Cardassians thinking that they actually matter in the grand scheme of the Dominion. So he's mm-hmm. given this sort of useless, impotent position where he is secondary to Weyun and constantly overridden. Like there's nothing he, there's no idea that he ever gives out that is considered to be a good idea or a good thought. And then they bring him to this point where he's starting to chafe under what the Dominion are doing with the Cardassian casualties and he makes a decision to turn against them. I think that the mm-hmm. I think the key thing for Damar here that's really good writing is that he doesn't turn out of some sense of what he's doing is wrong. He turns out of the fact that he thinks he needs to protect Cardassia yes. going forward. Yeah. So it's not it's not this idea that the Federation have been right all along and I'm going to go back on them. He's really just annoyed and it perfectly makes sense with the way that the Cardassians think about themselves because Ducat and Waltz had that thing about uh, we're better than the Bajorans, we're more advanced than them, therefore it's righteous that we take advantage of them. The, mm-hmm. the Cardassians think very highly of themselves, so for them to have been so under the boot of the Dominion for so long, it totally makes sense for a character like Damar to kind of chafe against that and then flip it on them as a true like Cardassian patriot, which is really interesting. 
Yeah, they they do a really great job of of saving him from being just a mustache twirling villain by having him care about the the people of his planet essentially. Uh whereas Wayun and the Dominion are still fairly empire-esque like Star Wars empire-esque where they're just sort of their their thing is evil. that they yeah, they want to rule everything and it's kind of nebulous and you know, big speeches about stuff that is ultimately kind of like uh, questionable in in uh, motivation, but um, yeah, Demar. What Demar is seeing the he's now put in the position of of seeing the cost of what the Dominion is trying to do, and the 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 Cardassian uh, gulls. Is he a gull? He's a legate or legat. I think is how legate. they pronounce it. Leggett, Leggett, yeah. Um, the, the great thing that they do with them, which they they took from Dukat and put onto Damar, is that they will act underhandedly, but they always tend to do it in service of Cardassia. Mm-hmm. And so it makes perfect sense that Cardassia is no longer the most important thing for, for Wayun and the Dominion, but it is still the most important thing for Damar. Right. So he's going to act with Cardassia and Cardassia's best interest in mind and not just trust that uh once the uh the new hotness of the breen wears off that they they're, they're going to come back and um you know treat start treating him right. Yeah, it's that it's that meme right where the kids looking backwards at the girl walking yes, past as his yeah. girlfriend. Is- <laughs> <laughs> I you know, I think the breen look ridiculous but they are hilarious in this episode. <laughs> The way the way that Wei Yun interacts with them, like when Demar comes in and it's it's like meow, 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 and Wei Yun's like, ha, 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 yes, he does look like that, you know. <laughs> that stuff is really funny. Yeah, their their voices, their voice is funny. Wei Yun's perfect understanding of what they what the point that they're getting across uh, works pretty well. There, I mean, the the Breen are not a. They even out. have like in jokes. Where the guy's like, meep, 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 and Demar's like, what did he say? And Wayne's like, ha, 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 ha. He said to fix he your, said yeah. you need to get your fi- uh, fix your universal translator. <laughs> the the brain are not obviously fleshed out. They are just supposed to symbolize uh, like the replacement of Cardassia. Mm-hmm. Cardassia was useful to the Dominion until they became unuseful, and then the brain replaced them as that kind of useful uh, army fodder yeah. that the the Dominion need. Well, and- I I would argue that they're not fodder. I think. Cardassia is now. Cardassia sure. is just expendable, uh, expendable guys. Yeah. Whereas the Breen actually have some sort of uh, uh, value to them more than that. So of course that's that's how they're being treated for the time being. Right. So the use of the Cardassians in this one is that they kill half a million of them just to cause the Klingons to not be somewhere else at that time, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so they are just um, fodder to be thrown into the buzzsaw or whatever for the Dominion. I think that. You know, it's a the the Cardassians view themselves as they are sort of statists, but they're also, as you say, at the same time, extremely narcissistic and want like individual glory, which is why, mm. which is why it's really effective when every time that Demar questions something or tries to change course, Wayun's bringing up of the founders means nothing to him, right? Like the, yeah, the fa- yeah. like doing this for the glory of the founders is irrelevant to any of the Cardassians, and it doesn't make a lot of sense, and. I think that they just write that really well, where he is a he's a character who totally makes sense in and of his universe, 
uh, he's basically become like an improved version of Ducat. If you wanted to like make Ducat slightly more bearable of a person, you would turn him into Damar. Mm-hmm. And I think that it ties in nicely. The one good scene from the last episode, I think, is Ducat is the reason for this instigation of change in Damar. He gives him that pep talk about saying, like, mm-hmm. seize your own destiny and it's time for you to do what you need to do. And yeah, it's really satisfying. It's a, it's a nice change. I like that Damar doesn't run off with Worf and Ezra. He stays behind. Uh, yes, on Cardassia yeah. to act as a mole for the Federation, so it's all it's all good and it's moving places. And I also I also just <coughs> to mention uh, killing killing that uh, his line about if you don't please the founder, I look forward to meeting uh, Wei Yun yes, Nine. Yeah. Yes, um, he also doesn't. Uh, he's he's very effectively underwritten as far as dialogue goes. I I shouldn't say underwritten because that implies that there's something wrong. I actually think it's a benefit. Um, because he's unlike Ducat, he's not long-winded about his motivations and where he where his uh, his mindset is at the time. It's not like he's freeing uh, Dax and Worf, and then they're like, "Why are you doing this?" And he says, "For too long, the Dominion has put Cardassia under its boot." And, yeah. You know that kind of stuff. He's just like, "Listen, just get out of here." Like it, he does. He does a lot of acting. Uh, through drinking in in these two episodes, and he's very good at it. <laughs> he, is, they, he doesn't he, he doesn't have to have long winded speech like the stuff that Kai Wynn ends up doing, where she's you know talking about how the prophets turn their back on her or blah blah blah. He doesn't have to do any of that stuff. It's just it's solely through watching how he is affected by the other characters and then the actions he chooses to take because of it. And apparently, uh. Canar is like honey or something. I know they had to thicken it so that when he throws it on the mirror, it doesn't just splash off and you can't see it anymore. So they had to add some kind of stickiness to it. But it looks like he's drinking honey, it seems like. It's it very viscous. A, it made a very disgusting noise when it hit that <laughs> I like that. I, I do like Damar in this storyline. And I think that it it, it functions... Um, it's probably the best, inter- most interesting storyline so far just because it feels like it has action to it and a lot of subtext and things going on. But at the same time, you know, it, it's not racing the plot, really. It makes a drastic change for DeMar at the end of this, but it's not, it's been building in the same way that the other stories have. It just feels more effective when it gets to the end. Like the 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 turn of DeMar switching is way more effective than Worf and Ezri coming to terms with their relationship. It just feels yes. like it matters in a way that that one doesn't. Yeah, definitely. I yeah, I th- I think so far the biggest misstep across these three episodes is the Worf and Ezri stuff. It's just, I don't know. I yeah. feel like there there's a better way they could have done it. Yeah, and the, the last point about the Damar, I do love the, I do love the way he treats the death of Wayun when Worf kills Wayun, and he just kind of mm-hmm. laughs at it and is like, "Fucking <laughs> yeah. idiot!" Like, let's just get another one of these. But he also has a great line, which is why Ron Moore is a better writer than Weddle and the other guy Thompson. Um, he has a line about, "You should have killed me." There's only one Damar, mm. uh, which is a very like perfect encapsulation of his entire action towards why he thinks killing the Cardassians is wrong. Like he he's brought up before the Jem'Hadar and the uh, the Vorta are just clones essentially who are grown in laboratories, and he views the Cardassians as different than that and special. And he he brings it about to himself and sort of makes it like a self actualized thing about I'm the only one here that matters. Like way, the Wayuns don't matter, but I'm my matter, and you can't kill me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we can talk about um, Kai Wynn and mm-hmm. Angel, whatever the guy, whatever Ducat is pretending to play here. I uh, am I alone? I don't think Louise Fletcher is good in this role. Um, would you disagree? 
Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, no, not really. Uh, she's not great in this episode. I don't think. Do you think uh, she's good in general? I've I've never been. I would rank her very much in the bottom of all of the guest recurring actors, like in terms yeah. of whether or not they're effective as that character. Yeah, I I think she's a little too flat for the uh, dynamics that Kai Wynn has going on. Um, she kind of tends to deliver everything the same way, regardless yeah. of uh, uh, dramatic intensity. Yeah. Um, like context. she talks to, context is irrelevant yeah. to her yeah she ta- she talks to cisco with the same intonation that she talks about switching allegiances to the power wraiths yeah. <laughs> and it's i don't know it sort of loses a bit of its effectiveness um she does yeah, she does I, terrible banging on ducat's yeah, chest yeah i was just gonna say yeah. that yes it's very it's very much like she doesn't want to hurt him yeah yep. uh but she has to make the motion <laughs> It's like uh, it's it's like uh, pretending to knock on a door, if, or if you're filming yourself, but the door is very hard and you don't want to hurt your knuckles, so you pull back at the last <laughs> second to, to stop and save yourself. Mm-hmm. I think the Bajoran stuff. You know, the, the problem with the Bajoran stuff, I think, is that it, it it totally fits in with the series, and that you kind of have to end the series with the Bajorans in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. But it's just like it's not. It doesn't really grab you, and it, it, it doesn't. You know, it doesn't feel like Kai Wen has been that important to where this would kind of feel emotionally satisfying for her to get to this point. Mm-hmm. I think I think the ending for her is very superhero of a supervillain reveal and I don't really like that. But I do like the, as you were saying, the Kira scene where her realizing that her doing the right thing would result in her also losing power is yeah. the, the perfect encapsulation of that character. And so mm-hmm. I would have ended it there, I think. And I wouldn't have had the final Ducat scene where they talk about their plans to rule the universe. Yeah, well, you know, I think they, well, I guess you you kind of have to make, well, maybe you don't. I was going to say you kind of have to make your intentions clear about what she's going to be doing from that point. Maybe maybe you don't. Maybe you can be more subtle about it. Take um, the earring out. All they have to do is take the earring out, and that, that means everything. Oh, yeah. There you go. That's 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 actually really good. <laughs> um, yeah, I, like I think the stuff that she's doing in that scene with Kira is what was missing from the last episode not in not in actual um content but just the way she is dealing with those those things I'm not being super clear um the way that, that the way that that scene with Kira works is she is clearly conflicted about power versus her belief and they are kind of butting heads in a way that I was hoping they would do in the last episode when Ducat comes to her the first time where she's got two things going on that are kind of pushing back against each other. So she wouldn't be completely she wouldn't be as uh, immediately accepting of Ducat as she was. There would be a little right. bit more pushback, you know, be like, oh, well, the fount, the 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 prophets you know the double but i don't know i don't know i can't write this dialogue um but you, you know what i mean though right yeah like yeah the, i do I, yeah the last episode she was just so easily railroaded by ducat i found it kind of surprising where as whereas in this one when she's presented with an obstacle that would be not beneficial or or uh i'm sorry my brain isn't working today um or damaging to her own uh aspirations 
that conflict starts coming out in a in a much more interesting way than just watching her, you know, be odd that Ducat knows the other people who are in her high school yearbook. Yeah. We we talked about um in the last episode uh, I have to pat myself on the back. People people might think I was doing a very uh, subtle job of leading you towards what was going to happen. I actually did not remember that this is what they do, that we were talking in the last one about how it would have been more effective if Ducat was playing up her jealousy of Cisco as the emissary, and it would have mm-hmm. been a way, and they actually do that in this one. It's much more the focus that he chooses to go with. Ducat chooses yeah. to uh, say that you will never live up to the eyes of the prophets the way that Cisco does, and he doesn't deserve it, so what are you going to do about it? Um, I didn't remember that's the way it was, but it is. I am glad that the show realized that that's the better way for Wynn to be personally motivated by what's going yeah. on, yeah. Uh, and not just Ducat impressing her with trivia of the past that he knows and that yes. only the prophets would know. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I um, I think I I did. Uh, oh, my favorite, my favorite thing in the entire episode is the little uh, is the way Ducat exits the room after he kind of like breaks her. Uh, she's like kind of breaking down and he's walking towards the door and he pauses and mm-hmm. looks back and then does this like back roll around like jaunty rolls around jaunty, the corner of the door. Yeah. Jaunty villain back roll <laughs> around the door frame to leave. And it's just beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 Louise Fletcher just, that reminds me because I don't know if it's that same scene, but she has a scene where she's like overcome by it and collapses near the window and stuff like that. I just don't mm-hmm. think it's very good. It's not, it's not effective. Um, yeah. It doesn't work. Hey, you know, uh, you know, I, you know, who's the I best actor is... though compared to her is her, her Bajoran servant who's clearly just <laughs> over that, over everything that's going yeah. on. He's like, oh, as you wish, bitch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I understand that. I don't know. Maybe this is part of my problem with the prophets is like, you've got a scene where, uh, what, what is their level of omniscience? You know, because you've got this scene where you're you've got a Kai who is, uh, just been told that the she's uh, this guy has been sent to her by the Padres because the prophets never did anything for, her. and then she goes and she gets the orb from the altar and opens the orb and the prophets don't do anything then, and then she spends a bunch of time praying about it afterwards and they don't do anything then. Just show up. Yeah. All the prophets have to do is show up and be like, "Hey, we're sorry. Don't join the parade. We're here for you." And that's it. Well, like they they treat they treat them like I, I don't know. I guess you could say, "Well, it's part of their larger plan." I don't know. But it's it's one of those things where it's like they're treating them both like uh let's just say for lack of a better term, real god. Yep. And uh a alien race that is actively there and actively does insert itself in stuff and could and is omniscient enough that they could sense or see that this is happening and step in and stop it i mean i think the fundamental problem with their power is that you kind of have to assume that this is all part of their plan right because they must know that this is happening if they know everything that's going on so they know that the power rates are interfering why they that's the problem with this species as like a narrative device mm-hmm. where it's like if they know the future they have no their input is sort of irrelevant because they know what they have to do to fix things so what cisco has to do which makes do, it all the more frustrating when they don't tell him what to do but also when they don't show up you're kind of like well this must be the plan but i wish they would just explain it to other people maybe yeah yeah 
Do they ever make it a point that the prophets can only talk to Cisco? Have there been other people who have had prophet interactions? Uh, I can't well, remember. Well, the power rates are prophets, so her, them talking to Kai Wynn counts as a vision, I think. And they also oh. talked to that guy who um, there was a Bajoran in a couple seasons ago that went through the wormhole and came back from time. Remember him? Sure. They, they, the prophets like pulled him out of time for some reason. They hung out mm-hmm. with them for a couple hundred years, and then they spit him oh, out okay. into present day. Yeah, that sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, I think he okay, was talking so, to them. Yeah. So the, it's it is it's it's established that the the prophets can interact with other people. So so I like because that that's you know unless unless the prophets can only act through the emissary, it seems weird. Yeah, it's either it's either weird that they don't step in and stop this from happening, or this is part of their plan, and it's you know one of those. Very unsatisfying weird. if it's part of the well, plan. Yeah, one of those weird things where if God, it's like if God exists, why did he let the Holocaust happen or yep. something? Yeah, it's all part of the plan. Yeah, I, and I um, I think an interesting—you mentioned that whether or not they're wormhole aliens or gods. I think the series is firmly on the side that they are gods at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, no, everyone seems to abandon abandon—because even Ezri is like, we're not gods. We're not prophets. Uh, she has a line about that. So I think even the scientifically based characters have given up on trying to say that everybody, this is wormhole aliens. Let's get our heads on straight and deal with this as we need to. <laughs> yeah. I, I wish it was like O'Brien who was just so, uh, uh, intensely, <laughs> intensely Irish Catholic or something. <laughs> They're not the real gods. gods. Just a lot of O'Brien ADR scenes where he's not on screen, but you hear him in the background going, not my God. <laughs> <laughs> It would improve the, the situation substantially. Him clutching a... There's only specs. one God, buddy, and his name's <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Put him on the pile with Zeus, Poseidon. Put all the prophets on there, too. Yeah, that's um, that's pretty much it. I just, I, I, to, to wrap this one up, I, I thought this episode just moved better. It, it felt like it was like a forward progression yeah. in things, even if there are still problems with the storylines that are sticking around. We can't have that much longer with Worf and Ezri. Right, they're on their way back mm-hmm. to the Federation. So, it, I hope we get to see the entire trip. Yes, where they re they reopen the wounds here. They have sex again, and they re- <laughs> they reopen the wounds. This time they have sex, but you know, just like as friends, because they know <laughs> nothing weird can happen now because they're just friends. And boy, are they mistaken! It's still so weird when they put like real world ish dialogue where Worf's like, "You had sex with a bunch of guys." <laughs> There was nothing that weirded me out in this episode, <laughs> arguably in the entire series, more than hearing Worf say, making love. <laughs> like, the, it reminds me, I read this comic years ago, it was this Viking comic, um, and, you know, it was set during Viking times, but all the dialogue was really modern, and there was, like, a line where this one guy was like, I have to go rescue my girlfriend. <laughs> I don't think they had girlfriends in the 900s. <laughs> You just took a wife. You literally took her, and that's all it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him, him saying "make love," and him like sort of pontificating on. He's like, "When I make love, it's spiritual, baby." I was, I wasn't yeah. just, I wasn't just giving it to you. I was really, I was really thinking about what was going on. It's like this is disgusting, Worf. I don't need to. Hear I'm about surprised this. Ezra wasn't like, "See, Worf, this is why we can't be together because you she, just take things too seriously." She says because it wasn't that, that good. It's another. It's yeah, like, will right. you guys stop talking about this? This is absurd. Like, there's no reason for her to be qualifying his uh, sexual promiscuity or whatever is going on there. Yeah, yeah. the The episode, you know, I think that's what just what's making it so difficult for me is because yeah it does move better than the last one but it's still moving 
pretty slow. Like if this had been the second episode in the line, I don't think I would have minded it as much because they do, you know, get 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 you into some plot points and seeing how things are shaping up. Yeah. Um, the second episode is the uh, traveling on a ship somewhere episode. It's yeah. the it's the waiting to get to the fireworks factory. Yeah, yeah. And then they get to the fireworks factory and you find out that the only reason you went to the fireworks factory is so you could take some fireworks back to where you came from. Yes. And it was C minus sex that got you there in the first yeah. place. <laughs> <laughs> but they, yeah, it would have been better you know, if they had taken their clothes off, I think, was the main problem with what they were doing there on the in the campfire uh, sexual ex- escapades. Hey, man, you don't need your shirt off to get it done. You That's know what right. I'm That's right. There's a fly for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Anything else to talk about with this one, Strange Bedfellows? I like, uh, we haven't really commented on, I like the titles so far of the final chapter episodes. Mm-hmm. I think the uh, Till Death to Us part was nice. This is probably my favorite one because it they do a fairly good job of thematically tying all the plot lines into the idea that odd couples are paired up with each other here mm-hmm. or people who don't mm-hmm. really belong with each other are paired. So you have Kaiwen and Dukat uh, and then you have Damar and the Dominion and then you have Worf and Ezri. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a good title. Anything else to talk about? Um, I don't think so. Right. I was, you know, this is another one again where I was waiting for the Breen to reveal themselves as allies of some sort. Um, I wasn't counting on Demar switching sides. Oh, really? Uh, you thought the Breen were going to be the the? Yeah, the I don't know why. I don't know why it just keeps standing out to me. You know what it was? I, so it's because okay, in the last episode, um, they talk about the Klingon thing. And uh, not knowing what they look like. And then in this episode, Wayun is like way too open with giving them access to every single Death Star plan that they have. Yep. You know, <laughs> Damar's like, well, those are our secret files. And like, oh, no, they're cool. Don't worry about it. They're just, you know, rifling through everything, <laughs> getting all their passwords for all their <laughs> Netflix accounts and stuff. What is this Damar triple X folder? What does uh, this mean? Yeah, that's, uh, Taxes. Those are, those are my, my protocols. Cardassian, my protocols. Cardassian girl-on-girl taxes. <laughs> um, but you know, like they they keep they keep setting they keep pushing them into position where it's like uh, they're getting a little bit too much access. Yeah, it feels to me like if okay if they're not and if in two episodes they haven't turned yet, I feel like they might end up being involved in in the resolution of of this war. Yeah. By turning on the Dominion. I, I think the thing is that in order for that to make sense, they have to kind of portray the Dominion as more desperate for them, which, well, which that's, I th- that's that kind of how across. I felt. Yeah. I, I, I felt that's how they were doing it, like uh, that the, they were turning to the Brit. Because um, Wayun kind of has that sort of dialogue, doesn't he? Where he's like, uh, uh, I don't know, I can't remember exactly what it is, but he, he pontificates a little bit about how the Breen will change the shape of the them. war. Yeah. 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 He make he makes it a point to be like adding the Breen is a game changer for us and it needs to happen. Yep, exactly. Uh, so they are getting across the desperation and their desperation is coming at the uh at the expense of the Cardassians and both so yeah, I think I think they're setting that stuff up really well. I thought I thought all that stuff was great. Let's uh take a break, we'll play a clip, and then we'll come back, read some patron thoughts, give our final thoughts about strange bedfellows. They've never spoken to me, never offered me guidance, never trusted me with the fruits of their wisdom. And now I'm supposed to step down as Kai in order to be blessed by them. No, 
I have worked too hard, waited too long to give it all up now. You shouldn't have to. Merciful gods don't ask their children to make such sacrifices. The prophets have turned their backs on me. After all I've done for them, all the pain I've endured for them. They're not worthy of you, Adami. I'm a patient woman, but I have run out of patience. I will no longer serve gods who give me nothing in return. I'm ready to walk the path the Pauris have laid out for me. I'll walk with you. And no one will be able to stand against us. Those who dare to try, the Federation and its Fetic puppets, the false gods and their precious emissary, they'll all be swept aside like dead leaves before an angry wind. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. We have to thank a couple new patrons. Daniel and Tom are the newest patrons. I didn't mention them at the start, but I wanted to mention them now. And if you want to become like Daniel and Tom, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. Support the show a couple dollars a month. It gets you extra stuff, extra podcasts, and all that good stuff. There's about 60 of them available now. We talked about movies, talked about Black Mirror, talked about uh, random nonsense, Q&As, all that stuff. Patreon.com slash the Penske file is the place to go. And as always, we thank our Captain Tier supporters with a special shout out. So, special thanks to go to Andrew Cherlog, Ben Douglas, Captain Cork, Cardinal Doomsday, Christian Michaels, Christian Pouch, Darth Moss, David Beardmore, David K, Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, HH28, IC Unicorns, Yarpy, Joint Mango, Jordan Cooper, Kevin Reyes, Cal Barrett, Matt, uh, Mad Courier, Matt Cutler, Matt Ross, Mike Burnett, Nathan Elliott, Neil Brennan, Nick Sergi, Robert Cummins, Russell Elliott, Samuel Custer, Grim Santo, Sean Spinovi, Tark Latif, Tom Howells, Vault 13 Hero, and Will Yates. Thank you very much, guys, for supporting the show. And now we're going to go to patron comments. If you're a patron, you can leave your comments about upcoming episodes and we read them. There's only four here. I think we're ahead of the crowd, actually, Clay. We might be exceeding. Mm. We had to do a busy Thanksgiving recording schedule, so this is where we are. We might be ahead. There's only four. Point X or G. Strange Bedfellows. I like that Damar is simply amused when Worf kills Wayun. We see that the alliance with the Breen is forming cracks in the Dominion slash Cardassian alliance. And where the hell did the Breen come from, and why do they look like Bounty Hunter Leia? If they're such a big deal, why have we never heard of them before? But the greatest part is Martok's story of his wife and his Targ. <laughs> Andrew Sherlock says, This episode continues the threads of the last two episodes with one huge new plot. Kai Wynn realizes she has made a deal with the devil. Seeking advice from Kira, she does not hear what she desires and clings to power, even as releasing it will set her free. Personally, I've used this clip in a sermon to talk about real repentance. It's interesting. I, uh, I hope you weren't too offended by our O'Brien cracker. <laughs> <laughs> Zam Nuclear Wessel says, Strange Bedfellows, Damar's ongoing amusement at the death of Weyoun 7 is an all-time great television moment. It's interesting on rewatch, though, he complains to Weyoun 8 for not fulfilling his promise to help the trapped Cardassians when Weyoun 7 was the one that made that promise. That's interesting. We, we, yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say, we didn't even talk about how great that scene is when Worf just Steven Seagal's him. Yes. Out of nowhere. That was just, I, that was so great. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> He comes up, yeah, he, he brings up Bashir, which is the one point that obviously you don't want to do. Uh, and then he gets his head, his neck broken and gets replaced. That was, um, yeah, the, the Wayun replacement scene is funny because it doesn't seem to be any sort of catch up. The new clone seems to know everything right up mm-hmm. until the point of death. So they must have some mm-hmm. kind of Wi Fi capability where all the memories get sent <laughs> back or something. I still wonder 
why they don't just make multiples of them, obviously, besides like the technical limitations of what you can do on TV. But you think you just have billions of Wayoons walking around. Well, you know, you don't want to waste resources. Final comment, Norman Buckwald. Strange Bedfellows, most of the titles in this arc are pretty good, and this one is probably the best. Ducat and Wynn are reason enough, but you also have the Cardassians and the Breen, which is not so mutual at all. Not as strong, but, ne- not as strong, but needed to run its course was Worf and Ezri post-admission of Ezri's heart, and Martok's observation of the war between Sisko and Cassidy. But it is the, it's the story of Wynn's official turn to the dark side where it becomes truly powerful. That scene with Kira is one of the most important in the entire season, in my humble opinion, and definitely what makes the final Bajoran plot very worthwhile. Kira may have had her own selfish intentions to want Wynn to step down as Kai, but iron- ironic as it was, Kira was who probably at best spoke better than any prophet could that she should step down and resist the temptation of power. Instead, Wynne capitalizes on it because she will never let that go and no longer seems to care that incognito Ducat is part of the power wraiths. That final moment of the episode where Wynne makes her choice and does not look back was perfect inevitability of her character arc, four and a half out of five. So, do you do you need Ducat to have Wynne go through this story? Because I kind of don't feel like you do. Do you do you need Ducat to cause this to happen? Yeah, I I don't know. I I feel like there's. I I feel like you can do just as much with just her. Like if you had, <clears throat> if you had gone down the line of the original vision, where it was like, uh, she she gets this vision from what she believes to be the prophets, who are like, you got to keep Cisco in line. And then she actually acts on that to try and do that. And uh, through her actions and through her dealing with this, then comes to the, at a certain point, she starts to reject it or something. And then learns more organically that it's the pirates. You could still have the scene where they're like, hey, we're actually the pirates. Yep. Um, Hey, hey, we're the pirates. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I don't know if you need Ducat to be the catalyst for all this. Like, do you really need him to show up and, Um, you know, have them have sex in order for her to go down this path? We don't need the sex. Good use of go down. We don't need the sex, (laughs) but we do need... I I just think that Wynn is not prominent enough of a villain for me to totally believe that she would be the ending turning point without Ducat there. So I don't know. I guess I kind of... I I I really like the uh, Mozart and Salieri kind of thing that they have with with the emissary and her. Mm-hmm. And what makes Salieri such an interesting villain is that he he's he does what he does based entirely on his own hubris and 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 spite and pride. You know. Yeah. Uh, and for someone like Wynn, I feel like that would be a, a more satisfying kind of turn for her instead of just. Here's this, you know, hot older man yeah. with uh, bad hair <laughs> who is who is leading me down the path of the Pirates, which is, yeah. you know, I'm not going to say what that represents, but I think we can all use our imaginations. I, I kind of, I like the fact that Dukat is using the Bajoran religion against them effectively. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that's a good final plot for that character to do to take like the thing that the thing that the Bajorans considered to be their salvation from the occupation is the fact that they kept the faith the entire time Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. for him the brutal oppressor to come back and twist it against them I find very satisfying and I just think that Wynn has not been prominent and is not a good enough actress in the role to portray the depth of that turn in a satisfying way I think because um 
Ducat is more central to the villainy aspect, I think, than Wynn is. So I need him in this situation, yeah. I think. Yeah, I would agree. I think I think you could dial it back with what he actually is doing here, probably. Yep. Um, I would have yeah, introduced I, his. I would have introduced this plot earlier and not had it been right on top of her turn. Sort of like if he was yeah, early in the season yeah. influencing her and then stepped back and she progressed from there. That I think that works too. Yeah, or even like you could even. Um, well, I guess you need to have that scene with Damar and stuff. But I was wondering if you could even play it as almost a surprise. So like Kai Wynn shows up and she's like, "Have you met my new friend, uh, Tall Gudat?" <laughs> And he's like, "Hello, I'm a, I'm definitely a Bajoran, and I'm definitely here to help." Let's have, let us pray. Mm, bring bring me your sexiest Bajoran women so that I might uh, anoint them. Do you think in 1945, if Hitler shaved his mustache and went up to a group of Jews, they wouldn't be like, "Who is this guy?" <laughs> dyed his dyed his hair blonde. <laughs> And had like a very distinctive German <laughs> accent. You know, I think Hitler had like this high pitched sort of squealy voice, uh, which is kind of like Abraham Lincoln or something. But like, I just find it difficult that no one's like, you look familiar. You <laughs> you sound very familiar. Uh, 50 years of no, experience. No, I'm just another person from the Bronx who just likes <laughs> baseball. <laughs> I think we're done talking about this one. Thank you guys for listening very much. All the social media links are down below. Patreon.com slash the Penske file is the best way to support the show. And Facebook, Twitter, Discord, Instagram, all that stuff down below. Also, to be fair, we don't know that he didn't do that because, let's be honest, he was living in Brazil. That's right. Argentina, right? Or Argentina. Argentina is the sanctuary. <laughs> we're talking about Hitler, obviously, um, <laughs> as we as we want to do on this podcast. Uh, let's see here. Gal, no, Gal Ducat actually lives in, in Argentina in Argen- currently. <laughs> The little Chiron at the end of the uh, the finale for this series is just going to have a little sentence update about what all the characters are doing. Yes. Um, that's it. Anything for you to say, Clay? Uh, I don't think so. I think no. we're uh, the Q&A episode of Badass is probably going to be up in uh, two weeks, I think, or maybe a week. I can't remember. It's yep. uh, whenever the next episode issue of uh, Curse of the White Knight comes out, it's going to be on or around that date. Okay. Good for people to know, so you can keep your eyes open for that one. And then we're covering the Last Jedi on Friday. Oh yeah, that's right. So that'll probably uh, be out this week that this comes out, I would think. And then we'll try to finish up Solo in time for that. But yeah, you can look forward to the the Last Jedi. So I guess at this point in the future, when this comes out, we have already recorded. Yes, what you're saying. Yes, we have. Yes. You are a true prophet, Clay. You can see all the ins and outs of the timeline that are coming about. Yes, and, and you had some hot takes. I can tell you that much. <laughs> hot takes. Be well, my child. All right, I guess we're done. You can look forward to all the other content. Happy Thanksgiving. If I, you didn't hear us say that last time, but this is past that. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving weekend. Hope the family treated you well. Hope you had an enjoyable time. And I guess we'll be back with The Changing Face of Evil is the next episode. So... A little less subtle of a title. We'll see you in a couple days.